Today's scripture comes from Book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. We live in the era of the fact check, don't we? Growing up, way back in the day, you know, like the 1990s, I don't ever remember second-guessing what I heard on the nightly news. I don't remember wondering if I was being told the truth or if I was getting the whole story, but now... Now we hear something, we hear especially something surprising or something that challenges our worldview, and we want verification from somewhere. Or at least I hope we do. I mean, it is so, so, so easy for misinformation to come across our Facebook or our Twitter feed, or to be put even on TV in such a way that we miss the fullness of the story. But, thank goodness, now we have the ability to quickly look for verification to find confirmation about what we've heard or to search out other points of view or to find people who are willing to tell another side of the story. And I hope that because we live in the era of the fact check, that we bring a a healthy sense of skepticism to much of what we hear news-wise, that we go looking for confirmation to make sure that the facts that we know really are the facts. And I think if we do that work in good faith, Fact-checking is actually really helpful, as long as our healthy skepticism does not cause us to somehow miss the story. Imagine if the disciples had been able to use Google on that first Easter Sunday morning. Imagine if they had lived in the era of the fact-check. I mean, it was still so early in the morning, Luke tells us, when the women headed to the tomb at dawn, they took with them the oils and the spices that were normally used to clean and dress a corpse before it was laid in the tomb. But that step had been skipped on Friday night, maybe because it was the Sabbath starting that evening, maybe because everyone was still totally freaked out and afraid because Jesus had actually died. Happened so fast, you know. Thursday night, the disciples were there with Jesus in the upper room eating the Passover meal, and then by Friday afternoon, he was dead. On Saturday, they 
Well, we don't actually know what the followers of Jesus did that day, but we can guess because we have lived through that day after a loved one dies. So probably they slept and they waited and they hid and they waited through their grief and their shock and they wondered what was next. And by Sunday morning, a few of the women who had been following Jesus decided that what was next was to actually give Jesus a proper burial to care for his corpse as this one last act of love. So on Sunday morning, they headed to the tomb at dawn. And you know, when they got there, they saw the stone had been rolled away. They went into the cave and they found nothing, nothing, no corpse, by which Luke says they were perplexed, perplexed. I feel like Luke must be underselling it a little here. Perplexed is like when I find out my keys are not actually in my purse and I stand in the kitchen and I wonder, now when did I last have them in my hand? That is perplexed. The women just discovered Jesus is missing. Dead Jesus is not where he is supposed to be. How about shocked or stunned or flabbergasted or appalled or shook? Well, whatever they were, They didn't get to be it for very long because pretty soon two men in dazzling clothes showed up. Now dazzling in the Gospel of Luke is code for of heaven. So that means these guys were angels. And they asked the women this great question. They say, why do you look for the living among the dead? Good question. And they remind the women that Jesus himself had told them that this would happen. And Luke says that the women do indeed remember. When prompted, they remember what Jesus said, and they go off to tell the disciples what had just happened. Now Luke, he doesn't really delve into the emotional moment here with the women. He doesn't clue us in to their state of mind. Perhaps they are simply still perplexed when they convey this earth-shaking information to the disciples. Jesus is not in the grave. However they tell it, the disciples don't believe it. The scripture says that the disciples consider it an idle tale, like foolish talk, like hallucinations, like fake news. Imagine if the disciples, Andrew and James and John and Thaddeus, imagine if they had been able to whip out their smartphones and start fact-checking the women. Google, what animal is big enough to carry away a dead body? Google, how long until a corpse starts to decay? Google, can someone fake their death on a cross? Google, run a background check on Joseph of Arimathea. (laughs) Google, thank you. Google, is resurrection even possible? The disciples didn't have Google, of course. To confirm or disprove what the women said, they had to look for evidence elsewhere. Peter, only Peter, decides to go see for himself and went back to the tomb. He, he saw that it indeed was empty, and he returned to the others amazed. Now, at this point in the story, which is far from the end of the story, I just want to take a moment to note that among the followers of Jesus, all of them knew the same thing at this moment. They knew the tomb was empty. They knew what the men in dazzling clothes had said. They had all been reminded about what Jesus himself had said, that he was going to be killed and rise again on the third day. They all had the same information. 
Yet some of them believed and some of them did not. Now what's the difference? Yes, it is true that the women are the ones who believed and the men are the ones stuck thinking it's an idle tale. And as much as I love the fact that the women knew first and they believed first and they told other people first about the amazing fact of Jesus' resurrection, I don't think we can chalk all of this up to women being the first to grasp the truth. Okay. So, what's the difference between believing in the resurrection and not believing? At this moment, some of them believed, some of them did not. Now, if we keep reading in Luke 24, we hear the story of Jesus appearing to, the, to two disciples as they walked to Emmaus, and it was an incredibly powerful encounter for them, and it made those two disciples finally fully believe, believe that Jesus was alive. And they returned to Jerusalem, and when they got there, they discovered that resurrected Jesus had appeared to Peter, and now all the disciples were on board. They all finally had the evidence they needed. They understood it was not an idle tale, but something magnificent had happened. Jesus had been resurrected and the world would never be the same. I'm not, I'm not trying to tear down the disciples here. I just find it fascinating that it takes them quite a while to come around to the reality of it all. Resurrection, it seems, can be a hard thing in which to believe. I mean, we show up here on Easter Sunday, we're ready to hear a story we've heard a hundred times before, we sing Christ the Lord is risen today, we enjoy this amazing spring day, and we go home to eat good food, and we act like for today that resurrection is the easiest thing in the world to wrap our minds around. The grave is empty? Of course. Jesus didn't stay dead, obviously. Sin and evil and terror and fear don't win? Duh. I mean, who could think anything otherwise? Well, the disciples, for one, they thought something otherwise for quite a while. They had a hard time believing in the resurrection when they first heard it. They needed evidence. They needed to see Jesus. They needed to see resurrection with their own eyes before they could believe. And I suspect... I suspect that they are not the only ones since that first Easter morning with the same need. I suspect plenty of people in the world have had a hard time believing in resurrection, perhaps even some of us here worshiping now have had moments when just hearing the story wasn't enough, not enough to wipe away our skepticism or our doubt or our fear. Perhaps we too have needed, or perhaps we still need, evidence Perhaps to believe that God is a God of resurrection, we need to see it with our own eyes. Okay, that's no problem. Because you know what? God is still doing it all the time. God is still bringing resurrection right here to our world all the time. What happened with Jesus in that tomb in AD 33, that was just the start, or it was the pivot point it was the moment that defines resurrection for all of time, but it is not the only time that God was about resurrecting something that was dead. It is far from the only time that God brought back something that was lost. It was not the only moment that God showed that life conquers death. Not the only time at all. In fact, this is what God does. God does this all the time because this is who God is. 
God brings new life out of moments of death. God redeems what seems lost. God uses the power of love to resurrect what appears defeated. God creates anew, even after it seems like the worst thing has happened. What looks like defeat is the place for God to recreate and bring new life. This, my friends, is who God is. It's who God continues to be right here, right now, a God of resurrection. But here's the thing. We have to practice seeing it. We can go through life with our eyes just closed to the reality of what God is doing in the world. We can just miss all the evidence of resurrection that's around us. We have to practice seeing it. But once we start, once we start seeing how God reveals resurrection power in the world, we won't be able to stop seeing it. And then we'll get so excited that just like the women, we won't be able to keep ourselves from telling other people about it. I had a friend post on Facebook a few days ago celebrating one of her kids' achievements in school. It's not what you might expect, though. She shared that this child struggled academically from the start, struggled especially to read, and this, this kid is awesome. She's so fun to be around, but each year in school, the child fell just a little further behind, just a little further behind. And we know that she is far from the only kid who has a story like this who's having trouble keeping up. And we know that too often a hard start at school means things pile up and pile up and pile up until a kid gets to a place where maybe in high school they just hate school and they have no confidence and it starts to narrow their choices for the future. But that's not the story here. This mom uh, connected her kid to extra tutoring and came up with the money to pay for it and encouraged her and believed in her and the child worked so hard over this last year with the right support, her commitment, and a lot of grace, she has managed to fill in all the gaps that had occurred from her first five years of schooling. She sees she's on grade level or above now in all her subjects. She has confidence that's through the roof and school is not gonna be the same for her going forward. Her story has been rewritten. Now you might say, eh, that's not such a big deal. Good job tutoring. But it is a way that God uses strength and hope where there has only been fear and struggle and uncertainty. And to me, that feels like a resurrection story. Or I've known more than one person, and I suspect you, do, you have two, who has lived through a traumatic divorce. They arrive at a day when they realize their partner is not who they thought they were, or their partner changed so much they don't know what to do, or, or maybe their partner just came home one day and said, I don't want to be married anymore. And that's devastating. And they're scared, and they don't know how they're going to single parent, and they go through months or years sometimes of terrible stress and pain trying to figure out how to do custody and how to co-parent in different houses, and they struggle to know who they are as a single person, and life is hard. It's a trial. And then they, they start to find their feet, and they learn things about themselves and what they're capable of and they take care of their kids, and they go to work, and, and God helps them remember who they are and what they can give to the world, and sometimes it happens that they meet someone, and they fall in love, 
and they emerge from it all with a life more beautiful than they ever could have imagined. It is a way that God creates new life out of the ashes of the old, and to me, it always feels like a resurrection story. Now, resurrection stories, they don't, they don't mean that everything always turns out perfectly. I've watched over the last months as a reporter on CNN has shared the absolute heartbreaking journey of having his infant daughter diagnosed with brain cancer. His name's Andrew uh, Sazinski, and he and his wife lost their daughter, Francesca, on Christmas Eve. Her cancer was diagnosed when she was just six months old. She started vomiting uncontrollably, and they rushed her to the emergency room, and they heard this unbelievable news, brain tumor. And the next months included surgeries and chemotherapy, and then because her immune system was suppressed, she developed a fungal infection, and she went into shock, and she spent a month on a ventilator, and then she died. Just four months after her diagnosis, she was gone. And you all know there is nothing more heartbreaking than burying a child. But Kaczynski didn't want her death to be the end of Francesca's story, so he started using his platform as a nationally known journalist to talk about her, to raise awareness for pediatric cancer research, which is often neglected by pharmaceutical companies because of a lack of profit. Kaczynski and his wife, so far they have raised $750,000 to help fund childhood cancer research, and that's just in three months. They're just getting started. Now, that doesn't erase the pain of losing their baby, but it is a way that God is bringing good and life out of the very worst moment. It is a way that love and hope are proving stronger than death. It is a resurrection story. Resurrection stories are all around us if we will practice seeing them. An addict who finds sobriety, a convict finding repentance and peace, someone wronged finding the strength to forgive, our own pain giving us the compassion to help others. These are resurrection stories that testify to the power of God who turns mourning into dancing and turns grief into joy. And all of them, every single one of these resurrection stories points back as evidence to the empty tomb, to our Savior who would not stay dead, to Jesus who came to reconcile the world through the power of love. I don't know just how you're feeling today. If maybe you're a little worn down, a little worn out. If you aren't, if you're feeling good, awesome. Make sure and share that joy with some folks around you. But it might be, might be that these months of pandemic life have you feeling less than awesome. Have you feeling it kind of the end of your, end of your rope? Have you having some days where you're feeling like you're maybe operating at half capacity or less? I mean, we still are dealing with so much disruption and uncertainty. If that's you, I've got good news for you. We worship a God of resurrection. We worship a God who could not be held in the tomb. We worship a God who suffered the very worst in the world for our sakes and then got up. He got up. He got up and he showed us with his very body that the love of God is unstoppable. The love of God is unstoppable and it is active right here, right now, in our lives, ready to make us a resurrection story. God is right now 
looking for ways to make the world more just, more whole, more compassionate, more full of love, more like God's kingdom, and God wants to use us in that work, and the resurrected Jesus is leading the way. So friends, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for the evidence you need to keep on believing in resurrection. Because God is here, God is active, God is providing what we need to move through today with hope and joy and promise. Our resurrecting God is here, transforming the world, transforming us. Thanks be to God. Amen.